You're listening to Western Sydney Health Check, a podcast talking all things health, providing current and accurate healthcare information for the community and our staff. I'm Sia. And I'm Harrison. And we'll be taking you through this podcast. Thank you, Sia. And thank you, everyone, for joining us on episode five of Western Sydney Health Check. Today, we're going to be talking about a very important topic that we haven't covered yet. That's mental health. And joining me today is the Executive Director of Mental Health Services for Western Sydney Local Health District, Professor Bill Brocoulias. Professor Brocoulias, thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you very much, Harrison, for for interviewing me. So let's get right into it, shall we? Uh, What are some of the different ways that you are seeing COVID-19 affecting people's mental health at the moment? Well, COVID-19 has had, a, has had an, a significant impact on people's mental health. First of all, it's been a, a big adjustment for people, uh, particularly those who've had to work from home or practice home isolation. Um, this has been a big change to their daily routines. Um, it can cause a lot of tension, a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. There's also the anxiety related to the threat of this pandemic Um, and the unknowns of how significant it will be um, and how much death it will cause, how much of a threat it really is. Um, And so that's caused a lot of people to become anxious, to become worried. Um, Some people have complained of having nightmares. Um, They've had increased arguments. We've got increased reports of domestic violence in the home. Uh, And generally people, some people have had some difficulty uh, coping Uh, with this anxiety. Uh, We haven't yet seen increased presentations to our mental health services. However, we anticipate as the financial impact hits in uh, that we will have increased presentations with depression uh, and suicidal ideation. Thanks for sharing that. We've also seen some interesting things playing out in the general public, you know, some things that have gotten a lot of media attention. Uh, For example, panic buying, hoarding, could anxiety or mental health be an explanation behind some of that behaviour? This again comes down to the the threat that the COVID-19 crisis uh, poses to people. Uh, And so when people are under threat, um, they become anxious. They think of the worst case scenarios and they naturally want to prepare for those. And hence people are panic buying their they're hoarding um, things that they would need uh, in case uh, things get so bad that they won't be able to buy things. And unfortunately, it's been compounded by the actual reality that when you go into supermarkets, many things are missing. Uh, and so that just uh, reinforces the idea that we need to buy and stock up because things will not be there when we need them. For some people who maybe aren't feeling those effects yet and are feeling like they're coping pretty well, what are some of the warning signs that they should be looking out for? So in terms of the warning signs, uh, obviously yeah, it's natural to experience some feelings of anxiety and depression in these situations. Um, again, not everyone will experience that, uh, but you know you wouldn't see that automatically as being a problem. The problems to, to identify when it is a problem uh, really you would need to see that there's a huge impact on your life. Uh, so it's to the extent that the anxiety becomes overwhelming, distressing, that you feel you can't cope, and that it's having an impact in the way you're functioning. So if it starts to affect 
uh, your relationships with other people, starts to affect your ability to work or to function, to do your daily chores in terms of cooking, cleaning, uh, for example, cleaning the house, then you know that it's gone beyond what was a normal response to a threatening situation and that you might need some help. Obviously, if you've got pre-existing uh, anxiety or depression, um, then that could be exacerbated, in which case you'll need to get some professional help. Uh, but if it does go beyond the line, it's important that you uh, try to find out whether it's something that you need help or not. And you can find out by looking up um, some of the websites like Beyond Blue that have some information, calling any of the helplines, uh, and also seeing your local doctor or at least talking to your local doctor over the telephone will be able to assess you and see whether you need some further help uh, to deal with your anxiety or your depression. Mm. Could you tell us a little bit more about that further help? Uh, what sort of professional support is available at the moment for people who are experiencing these effects? Yes, so the vast majority of people will not need um, any specialised help. Um, some people may need some general counselling, but others might need more specialised psychological therapies, uh, such as cognitive behavioural therapy uh, or mindfulness that can be delivered by a psychologist. Uh, who's trained in delivering those psychological therapies. Um, and some people, uh, if, if they become very unwell, will need some medication, which can be, again, uh, prescribed by your local doctor or, in, in a worst-case scenario, uh, by a psychiatrist. I don't know about you, but when I hear the word counselling, in my mind I picture, you know, lying on the therapist couch. I imagine that times of changed a little bit right now because of COVID-19. How has this situation impacted the way that yeah, your team is doing their work? Yes, yeah, so it certainly made us uh, change the way we deliver therapy uh, and we, how we assess patients um, very <laughs> dramatically in a very quick uh, time frame. Um, so many people are now assessing and seeing people uh, via video conferencing or even just by simple, simply calling them up on the telephone. Um, and you will find that many GPs are operating in that way. But also, I would say at the moment, the vast majority of psychologists um, are, are actually using various um, uh, internet uh, platforms uh, to assess people and to deliver their therapies rather than seeing them face to face. And some people actually have a preference from that for that. Um, they find it more convenient uh, to see people via online technology. And also some people feel there's a sense of anonymity uh, when they're getting help via an online method. So do you find that your that staff and, and patients are reacting well to those changes? Well, um, it's it's not um, not easy, uh, especially if you're not used to using that technology. Uh, it can be uh, a little bit difficult picking up, you know, subtle cues um, or like nonverbal cues that you would pick up when you're seeing someone face to face. You really got to concentrate and look at the screen um, to pick up those uh, those things. It's not not as easy as when you're in the same room. Um, and initially, uh, there's a lot of technological glitches um, that make this process uh, difficult if you're not used to it. 
But it seems that as we, over the weeks that we've been using this technology, uh, we've become more accustomed to it uh, and uh, we, we're getting used to it, basically. And um, this has been less of an obstacle for us. That's good to hear. Let's take a step back a little bit, I suppose, maybe before somebody is reaching out to their GP or to a counsellor. Is there any kind of online courses that people can take that might um, help them with anxiety or other things that they're feeling at the moment? Uh, Yes, um, there are some online uh, courses and other resources that are available. Um, They can provide very good information on uh, what types of anxiety disorders exist um, and whether the anxiety disorder is something that you need treatment for. Uh, So it can provide information, but it can also provide therapy. Um, And there's some online uh, cognitive behavioural type courses uh, that are available uh, through primarily different universities. Um, And some of them are available uh, with a small fee, uh, but some are also available for free. uh, And some are part of research projects as well. Something that I'm interested in is the way that the media and maybe social media might be impacting people's mental health at the moment. Do you have any thoughts on that? There's a lot on the on the media about COVID-19, but people do want to know what's going on. Um, I think it's important that people know when to take a break uh, for looking at media. Obviously, working in health, you know, I'm, I'm too busy to look at the news, but I think that if I had more time, I would probably be uh, following it a bit more closely um, to, to know, you know, what's going on. And I could see that that might become a problem, um, that I might become too overly focused on um, listening to the news and seeing the latest report or the latest um, death toll uh, in various countries. Um, so I think it's up to the individual to um, make sure that they're not overdoing it uh, when it comes to watching the news and listening to media. When it comes to social media, I think that's um, got its pros and cons. I think it's important that people have a social connection in these difficult times. So they, they know what other people are doing. They they feel that they're um, uh, they've not uh, missed out an opportunity, uh, or that they're not um, underprepared to face the crisis. Um, but they may also hear things on social media that may not be true or may not be factual and that might add to their anxiety. Um, And so I guess just as with normal media, I think you need to um, take a measured approach and and really evaluate what what you're hearing. Great. It's very helpful. Something you mentioned earlier is that a lot of people now are are working from home, um, and that's putting a bit more stress on families. I'm also conscious that there's probably a lot of... um, single people out there that are feeling maybe more isolated right now. Um, Are you seeing some perhaps impacts of social isolation and the way that's impacting people or families? Um, We're not yet seeing that as a major issue, but um, I can imagine that loneliness would be an issue. Um, We are fortunate, though, that a lot of people are using um, social media. A lot of people are calling um, their friends and relatives, perhaps in a way that they weren't doing before. Um, and 
they're also using uh, video conferencing facilities and finding new ways of socialising with other people uh, that they may not have been using before. I'd like to wrap up by perhaps thinking about some practical tips. Um, What are some good habits that people can get into at the moment to take care of their mental health? So, like we said, uh, the crisis has really uh, started our fight-or-flight response. It's really made us more active and and ready to fight any challenges and actually the threat that COVID-19 poses. Uh, So it's important that we recognise that and we don't let that overtake us. It's important that we know what the reality is and what it isn't. So when we feel frightened, when we feel scared, to actually stop and think, should I be feeling like this at this point in time? Yes, the COVID-19 crisis is a threat. It's a threat for everyone. But in most people's cases, it's not a threat that's going to you know, take your life at that point in time when you're feeling anxious. So it's important to stop and remind yourself that, okay, I'm taking all the right measures. I'm isolating. I'm not sort of going out. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not sick at the moment. I'm not at threat of dying from this virus at this point in time. So that I don't, I shouldn't feel anxious. So having some sort of reality testing is important. Uh, the other important thing is social connection. So talking to people, again, finding out how they're all coping as well. Um, what again, what the reality is. You test that when you're talking to other people. Uh, and you realise that you're not in this alone. There are many other people that are exactly in the same. In fact, we're all in the same situation um, dealing with this this crisis. Absolutely. That's a great point to remember that we're not alone in this. And I guess that brings me to my last question. How can we be supporting each other through this time? I think we have to be kind to each other. Uh, we have to realise, again, that we're all in this together. We all have to work together. Um, we wouldn't have been able to flatten the curve, so to speak, in terms of the spread of the virus if we didn't work as a, as a united community. Um, and it is very easy to become angry with other people. And we're seeing this anger come up a fair bit. Um, we're seeing anger... Um, towards health professionals, which we would not never have, you know, anticipated. Um, there's this uh, fear that I don't want to be around other people because they might infect me. Um, the chances again are low, especially amongst family members and people within your immediate household. I'm sure you need to be careful, but it doesn't mean that we we're angry towards other people. The adjustments that we're going through um, as individuals and as a society um, are leading to tension as well. Um, We're doing, we've changed our lives in a way that we're not used to. um, And that can make us a bit cranky, a bit frustrated, but we shouldn't be taking it out on other people. Uh, We should just be trying to adjust to it. We've got no other choice and we should be realising that we're all in it together and we all need to work together and to be kind to each other. Kindness, such a powerful message right now. Professor Berkulius, thank you so much for your time. I thank you too. Thanks for listening to Western Sydney Health Check. This podcast is produced by Western Sydney Local Health District. For the latest news, visit us at thepulse.org.au.